getting on other people's podcasts, it's uh, one of the first ways I started really growing my brand, growing my following, growing my community, and really practicing my speaking points. But most people that send podcast pitches suck. That's why I put this together. Because I think it's a huge opportunity for you to get on other people's podcasts. And while that's obvious, I think the big opportunity is the fact that so many people are sending bad messages that for you to do it right and build a network of podcasters with audiences is a huge, huge opportunity. And I think it's going to work out really nicely. So we put together here um, a workshop I've given in the past where I combined uh, the things that I do to get on podcasts, the things that we do to put our clients on podcast, the things that have worked to get on my podcast, and things that I've learned from other guests that have been on my show that are really good at getting on podcasts. I think you're really going to like this. Tons to take away here. If you're going really hard at it, there is um, advanced techniques. If you're just getting started, there's basic techniques. I think it's something you should consider. And we did this as the internet talk show, right? We do this every Monday live at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And right after we go into our Relationship Driven Growth open mics, where you can show up and share a speaking point, And I'm going to post producer for you. And the community is going to go, go around and give you some feedback. So it's a really, really great session. We'd love to see you at the next one. But for right now, enjoy learning how to get on people's podcasts to evangelize your message. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be un. Beatable, but who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Show, episode 214. Today, we are talking about evangelizing your message on other people's stages through podcasting. I'm really pumped to present this to you, right? Because I 
hosting two podcasts and producing multiple podcasts, I get terrible pitches all the time. Like it's like your email is full of it, but it's still a really, really good way to do it, right? It's a really, really good way to practice speaking, evangelizing your message, growing your audience through other audiences. So I really want to just show the stuff that has worked for us, the things that you know, we're doing for clients to put them in front of other people and a couple of tips and, tr- tips and tricks that I've had on past guests that have really blown my mind that I think are really good pieces of advice I want to share with you. Of course, want to welcome the community who we got in the house, the roll call. We got Kira Lescu, Kira, the me- the medium and the coaches. Good to have you back here. I haven't seen you in a while. My boy, fellow Ace Ventura enthusiast, Tony Winslow, starting his own consulting company, Pitch Purpose Consulting, right? For marketing. Tony, giving you a shout out for that. Pratiti, my friend and business coach, realtor in the Pennsylvania area. Pratiti, I'm actually coming your way in April. Got to talk to you. JD Gershbein with a long eye on Gershbein, LinkedIn experts and style guide. Lori Goldman, the super connector of connectors inside of the community. Good to have you. Good to have you all on board. So I appreciate you being here. Please keep the messages going in the chat. Let me know if some of this stuff is new. I'm touching on some of the past content that we use because as you learned last week, you organize your hook points, you organize your speaking points, and you can formulate it into different keynotes. And a lot of this stuff is universal, right? So if you have been following along for the past couple of lessons, you're going to recognize some recurring subjects, but this one is tailored to being on podcast. So let's do this. Before we get started, though, Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp, last call, starts next week. So we close up registrations on Wednesday. On Wednesday, I'm giving final, like, talk to a bunch of people in a community that's also going to meant to fill up the boot camp. So this is last call for that starts next week. So if you're ready for that, obviously there's an offer at the end of the show, but go to be the stage.live slash bootcamp. If you want to be a part of it, it's going to be awesome. Cohort number four, it's going to crush. So without further ado, let's get to the subject at hand. As soon as I figure out how to share my screen, here we go. Evangelizing your messages through podcasts. So let's start with let's start with what I always like to start with people, right? What's in it for you when it comes to evangelizing your message through podcasting, right? Podcasting is a particular medium, right? Because we spend so much time putting out little pieces of content on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or whatever to try to capture someone's attention for like a minute. And we put so much value into that. And yet podcasting is this way of being inside someone's in between their ears for a half an hour, for an hour, right? It's a, the effect that it has on the brain is magnificent, right? It's like, remember listening in high school to your favorite album of your favorite artist, right? Like I picture the album Nevermind by Nirvana and knowing every single word for it. And then this idea that I still know these words because you're listening to it on earphones, right? Like it is it is tied into your, like inside your inner ear and you're listening to it. And at the end of the day, it's long form content. You get to have a long form conversation with somebody to, <coughs> to add value to their life, right? To share your point of view, to evangelize your mission, to speak in long form the things that you can't do in an elevator pitch. And on top of all of that, it comes with a nice warm introduction right? The host is inviting you into their dinner party and letting you speak in front of a group of their friends, right? When I bring people on this show, 
they implicitly come with the validation of Pablo believes in this dude. So I'm going to listen. And if you listen to this podcast, you show up to the live show or you listen thereafter, you psychologically attribute some extra value to that. It's the stage effect, right? It's the same as if you're sitting at a conference, someone's on a panel or speaking on stage, you automatically assume that they have a certain amount of expertise because the brain justifies what it sees, right? So being on podcast, high, high, guilty by association validation effect for you. And on top of that, really allows you to explain yourself and be known the way that you are and be heard. So it's just a really, really good way of building your credibility. On top of that, if you start guesting on podcasts, you get to start doing something that we love to call table setting. It's the idea that before you're going to take a meeting with somebody, you can send them a piece of content that they can listen to and already be partially cooked in the conversation that you're going to do, right? So if you don't have a podcast, if you haven't produced something, you haven't produced your own content stream, you don't have something like this. I often use podcasts that I have been a guest on as my table setting mechanism, right? Because listening to somebody else be like, oh, that's really brilliant how you said this. And let me ask you some more about this. And these different contexts lands a different way in the brain, right? So if you can start guesting on a bunch of podcasts and one guest does a particularly job of getting to the essence of your product. Another guest maybe does it from the angle of, I don't know, for healthcare practitioners, right? So like JD is about to come on a show tomorrow called Finance for Physicians. He's been on a ton of podcasts, but being on the Finance for Physicians podcast will now allow him to introduce himself to people in healthcare, right? And it's much more validating, right? So the table setting of it is really, really powerful. I really encourage you to lean into this idea of coming on other people's stages. Scott Wilder, who's with us today as well, he's been on my podcast, right? He did a good outreach for me and got on my podcast some of the ways that we're going to explain this stuff. But of course, his resume speaks for himself. Scott, good to have you here, buddy. So next is, the next prerequisite is your crusade, right? We talk about this all the time. People don't really care about you as much as they care about where you can help them get to, right? So when you are out there evangelizing something, whether it's your own show or your own podcast or any of that stuff, right? The mission that you're on is going to be much more effective to convince somebody to join than trying to convince them that they need to, you know, change their ways, right? So you really want to have this mission, this place that you're trying to get to and invite people to join. That's going to make your messaging altogether much more effective. And the way that we like to raise that mission these days is having a very, very clear point of view, right? That POV statement that we have hit on on multiple presentations here in the past is the thing that I am hottest on as far as getting somebody to subscribe to your mission. I have a friend who, really smart, her name is Hildy Isaacs. She is a brilliant thinker of how you buy swag, right? Like she is a purveyor of the stuff that people buy for trade shows, gifts for clients, stuff like that. And what I've been challenging her, I'm like, man, I want you to come on my podcast, but first I want you to develop a point of view because a point of view is the thing that's going to get people to really buy into this thing. And what the point of view entails, we've shared this framework before. It's something I borrowed from John Ruji, but now we've been implementing it a ton internally and externally for clients is this idea of what the world looks like right now, right? So 
what the problem is, what those ramifications are, how you can change it, right? Like a big idea for change, and then what the future state of the world looks like under that, right? So for someone who sells swag at for trade shows and for client gifts, right? It's much less interesting if I tell you, hey, we're going to go talk about trade show swag and strategy than if I tell you the main thing that people are doing wrong in trade show strategy or like the why everybody's wasting money on swag is going to get you in there, right? And that's going to come from a formulaic way of talking about, listen, right now people are just kind of like thinking I have a budget and what can I get for this that people are going to kind of want to mess around with. And the problem with that is that what you end up doing is wasting money, right? Like you might as well not have that because it sometimes attracts the wrong people. It sometimes dispels the people that you really, really want to talk to. But if you think about this way, right? If you think about a an integrated approach to buying swag that fits into your brand and is good for follow-up and whatever, then what's going to happen is you're going to have people that come into your trade show booth and actually the ones that you want to talk to, they're going to remember you, they're going to have it in front of them. And it's going to be a long-term strategy, right? Like they're going to see it over and over again because they're going to be using it or they're going to gift it to someone and therefore be guilty by association with your brand. And then you can get into this conversation. All right, all right, cool. So how is it that we do it, right? Like that kind of POV as opposed to just like a product or a benefit that you can talk about is a much more powerful way to draw people in. So as you are doing this strategy, you want to be thinking about a specific point of view that you have in the world, a change you want to see, right? Like how the world is, what the problem is with that statement, with what's going on, the ramifications of this problem, your big idea, and then like a future world. And it all kind of stems from there. And we're going to talk about that much more in this presentation. So And then finally, hook points, right? We talk about hook points all the time. To me, we are in this digital world where we have all sorts of things coming at us all day long. It's really, our attention is being competed with. My first client, Brendan Kane, who grew a million followers in 30 days and got a book deal and speaks all over the world. His number one thing that he believed in when I was working with him is hook points and wrote the book hook point. And the way that he describes it is you are walking to an air through an airport terminal. You're not late for your flight, but you're also not planning on stopping. You look to the left, you see a whole new stand full of articles. What is the thing that's going to get you to stop where you're going turn around out of all the magazines, grab this one magazine, and then turn to that one page that you want to look at, right? So you want to be thinking what your personal hook points are for when you start trying to be on podcast because it filters into the entire strategy. And for this strategy, right, for podcasting in particular, to me, the hook points are the intersection of what your accomplishments are with what you can teach based on those accomplishments, Right. And then from there, you frame it, name it, and claim it. If you can give it a situation of why this, of how, where it worked, how it worked, and then give it a nickname, then you have a really, really good chance of your podcasting strategy being a long term thing. Right. So, again, if you're thinking about, for example, I'll use Scott since he's here, right? He's building out this like customer led growth, customer marketing school. Correct me if I'm wrong on what that is, Scott, but he's building out this thing, right? So he's had a bunch of accomplishments and that's why he's been on my show before, right? Like he was, he's been in community and marketing and a bunch of these like SaaS brands and all these old school products. To me, it was less interesting what his 
titles were as much as the things that he could teach on the show. When he approached me, he talked about gaining data out of community inside of all these things, right? Like what the future of customer marketing would be based on community deployments. And based on his experience, I knew that he could deliver on this tenant, right? So I get outreach all the time about uh, this person, right? Like they'll throw out a name and they'll throw out like a company that they worked for and they throw out a title of what they did. To me, I throw that stuff away, right? If they can't come to me with a story that's a hook point of what they learned based on this stature that they had and something that they can teach, then it's not as useful for my audience, right? So start thinking about the things that you are CLG, that's right. Customer-led growth. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) Start thinking about those things, right? The experiences that you've had with the titles are great, but that's not what's going to lead the way. It's what you've learned from those experiences that you can teach others that become your hook points when you start outreaching to get on other podcasts and you start asking people to share their stage with you. So once you got that, let's talk about landing shows. My emoji did not work for this part of the presentation when it exported. I'm really sad. It was a handshake emoji. I'm sure everybody has seen it, but I'm going to start with the most effective, the most sustainable things and then go down from there. All right. Cause you can always outreach to a million people. But for me, it was about midway through 2019 that I realized I love to network, right? I'm obsessed with building relationships and the value behind that, but networking can be really inefficient. And that's when I realized that who you network with makes a big, big difference. And if you're networking with people that have stages, it is like if you were networking with multiple people at once. And that's why in mid-2019, I started dedicating myself to going to podcaster conferences. I didn't have a podcast yet. Yes, I love podcasts and I listen to them or whatever. But in my head, I thought, hey, you know what? I go to trade shows. I go to conferences all the time and I meet 25, 50 people a day. If I do that at a podcasting conference, I'm meeting 25, 50 people a day out of those 25 to 50 people, man, if three to five of them of each day that I meet invite me on their podcast, then I'm essentially, you know, let's say an average of a hundred listeners per show, somewhere between a hundred to 500, right? Like I'm essentially meeting 300 to 2,500 people a day. Cause if I come on their show, I can now you know, speak to their audience. And that is a big, big avenue of distribution. So the idea that prioritizing creator conferences and creator events for yourself is a huge, huge investment that you can make in your network. Because what ends up happening is at first, it's you're meeting them, you're building the relationship, and you start going on their shows, you build your own personal brand. But what ends up happening is if you follow up with those relationships, you build those networks Not only are you able to, whenever you need to announce something, you can go, boom, make five emails, radio row, and you go get on everybody's stages, which is the way that we have done to promote our boot camps in the past. But let's say you meet a really high value person. Imagine being able to introduce that person to five podcasters, get that person on five podcasts, 10 podcasts, 25 podcasts, whatever. It is a super high value add thing that you can do in order to A, 
allow yourself to spread a message or B, allow others to spread their message and build really, really high profile relationships that really pay. So going to creator conferences is something that I highly, highly recommend that you put a different price point than the average conference that you go to just to acquire clients because it has this really long tail positive effect. Cheryl's asking me to, to identify what a creator conference would be. Cheryl, you know, there is, I don't know what it is exactly in your in your niche of leadership, but what I can tell you is that there is multiple podcasting conferences that you get in there and you start meeting people like that, right? So for example, there is PodFest, which I really, really like. That is a very community-based podcasting conference. You meet smaller podcasters, but very, very approachable. There's podcast movement, which is more of a professional kind of circuit. You meet the bigger podcasts there. Like if you get a VIP ticket there, you get in the back room with some like real influential audiences. And then there's other local ones, right? I know there's there's a good one in, in Austin. There's a good one in Boston as well. And that's a really good way to just start doing it. Other things are like FinCon, for example. FinCon is this conference for financial education content creators, right? Not really podcasting, not really YouTube, not whatever, but financial education content creators. So that's great if you're a financial advisor, if you're a fintech software, if you're a real estate investment company, right? All these different things. So there's multiple different niches. Now what I'm starting to see is on LinkedIn, the people on LinkedIn that have built really good audiences on LinkedIn, like a Nick Bennett is starting, or even James Carberry, they're starting to have creator events, right? I saw a creator summer camp that Sweetfish Media is hosting, or Nick Bennett is putting this like B2B content creator trip to Costa Rica, right? So I, I just, I attribute very different value to those events because if you go in there and you meet these people and, and you make those connections, right? Like, especially those quaint ones are really, really great to build those like tight relationships because you're not going to necessarily do business with them, but you can definitely up your, you know, creator skill set is kind of what they're selling. But that network, that ability to collaborate with them is super, super valuable. So I just encourage you to, to look at those things. Oh, Miko Ivanov is in the house. He's adding some podcast show London, right? Miko is a great podcast booking agent as well. So somebody to connect with. So that's networking in person, right? Like to me, that is the highest value. You can't do it all the time, but I really do recommend, I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be a podcasting event, right? Maybe it's a blogger conference or, you know, something like that. I've seen local newspapers like the Jacksonville Business Journal. Actually, I don't see, I don't think I've seen it in Jacksonville, but in Miami, the South Florida Business Journal will promote their events of like, come meet the reporters, right? That to me, I add a special value to those events, right? Because if you can meet people that have platforms, strike up the right relationship, it sparks a whole wildfire that we're going to talk about some more here, right? So I just really highly encourage thinking about that, adding that to your business development and your travel plans. Then there's LinkedIn, right? Then there's online. And I have a specific way that I like to approach people that I'm trying to build a relationship online, specifically these content hosts, right? Or people that have you know, are, are a bigger deal than me. What I'll start with is a follow, right? I won't immediately connect with them. I won't make an ask. I'll just follow. On LinkedIn, you can now turn that bell on and be notified of the people that you really, really want to build a relationship with every single time they post. And once they do that, I'm in there 
liking and commenting on their stuff, right? I know that JD gave some really, really good framework around like making it a valuable like or comment. I completely agree with that strategy. When it is someone that you are trying to just get on the radar, sometimes quantity is good, right? Just like commenting, being in there, but definitely, definitely, definitely be looking at adding value inside the com- inside the content, right? If you can see something that they said and add an extra insight and ask them an insightful question that allows them to iterate on that, there's a strong likelihood that you're going to land on the radar. They're going to respond to you. You do that a couple of times. It opens the door to actually connect, right? If that isn't working, there's always the idea of sharing their content, right? So like, I'll start by following them. I'll start liking and commenting. My next step is to take something that they did, share it within my own network, right? Either a retweet or a share on Facebook or a share on LinkedIn and add my own write-up of what I learned from this tip and go connect with this person, right? Writing up a a special introduction to meet this person, go check out their podcast, whatever you got to do, right? Most people share and that's great. Like, you know, like if you just share, it's valuable and the person will see it as valuable. But if you take that extra time to like contextualize it to your audience, make it obvious that you listen and make it obvious that what the value is, there's a higher likelihood that someone else is going to key into that. And there's a higher likelihood that creator is going to be like, oh man, this person is really, you know, out, you know, helping me out. I definitely want to connect with this person. Next step beyond that is making an original piece of content of something that you learned from them, tagging them in it and referencing them. These are no ask things. You're just building the relationship. You're adding value. That same exact kind of like framework, those four steps was what it took for me to land on Christopher Lockhead's radar, right? The author of Play Bigger, the godfather of category design that I really, really care about. Once they start re-engaging with you, boom, connection request. Now you can really start building that relationship. And once you're connected, what I love to do is send people, you know, send people their way, right? Like if you start introducing people to each other, you're going to see be seen as a person of value, right? And again, I'm saying this because there's a lot of asks of podcasts, of podcasters, right? But the more value you add to their life, the more the chance that they're going to put you on their show. I'm going to, I'm going to just call out, <laughs> I'm going to call out Michael, right? Michael Haynes in, in, in the audience right now, right? Like we've had a conversation now. I'm, I'm about to, Michael, spoiler alert, I'm about to invite you to come on the show. I've been reading your book and I really want to talk about that, the listen part of listen, innovate and grow. But Michael is a perfect example of how to build that relationship, right? Like he started coming, you know, commenting on my stuff. Then he started sharing some of it. Then he started tagging people in it. Then we hopped on, you know, he started coming to the show. We hopped on a call. We built the relationship. I've gotten to know what he does. And now it's a no brainer for me to have him come on the show. Right. So it's like that idea of real genuine relationship building is what's going to get you the best opportunities and really good opportunities to get interviewed by a host that really knows who you are and is really trying to do their best to promote you. Right. So there's nothing more valuable than really building the relationship with a podcast host. I'm actually, April 1st, I'm going to the wedding of my favorite first podcaster, right? Justin Schenk built the relationship the same exact way, right? Different world. He's not so much in the B2B, but just has one of these like top five podcasts for entrepreneurs and Inc. Magazine and the same way, just like showing up in his comments, sharing his stuff, introducing his podcast to people promoting it, doing all these things, eventually got me on his show. I've been to his conference. I brought people to his conference and now I'm like invited to his wedding, right? So nothing beats real relationship building when it comes to hosting, guesting on other platforms. 
And as you're doing this, right, as you're landing these shows, what I there's a real, real value in the small shows that you start off with, right? You don't have to start off with trying to get on the Joe Rogan experience or even, you know, like I, I haven't been on like Lockheads podcast, right? Follow your different, haven't been on that thing. It's definitely above my skis, but that doesn't stop me from building that relationship with them. But it also doesn't stop me from building a relationship on any podcast, any small podcast that I can. That's Tilo in the background. I don't know what he's barking at, but any podcast that I can because of a couple of reasons. Number one, the small shows are often the ones with more engaged audience than you think. When someone's just getting started and it's literally just like the 50 people that really, really know him that are listening to his show, the proximity, like the feeling of like, man, I can really reach out to this person is very real. When I was first starting my podcast journey, I was going on a handful of shows, right? Because I I started the whole thing by networking at Podcast Movement and I was getting on a bunch of different shows. And for whatever reason, people coming on my show, right? When I had my smallest audience, right? I had maybe like 30, 40 downloads an episode. They were often getting people reaching out to them on their call to action, on their connection requests, on their lead magnet, on their free trial to whatever. And I often got the feedback like, man, I go on much bigger shows and I don't get this kind of response. And the reason why is because everybody that was listening to that show at that point was somebody that actually knew me. So coming on that lending of credibility was very, very real, right? So small shows have real value for you transactionally. And the other thing that small shows provide is value for reps right? Man, you know, the first couple of podcasts that I went on, I re-listened to them. I was rambling. My message wasn't completely clear. I had a fun conversation, right? I'm still a energetic guy, but my message wasn't super clear. It wasn't until I got into 50 and 60 reps of being on other podcasts, on hosting a podcast myself, that I started really understanding how to communicate on podcasts. So as you're getting started, don't sweat the small show stuff, like do it, right? Like go do it, get that rep, show up like if it's the biggest show ever and be fully prepared because you want to practice how you play, right? Like you want to really refine that stuff. And there really is an opportunity there, no matter how small it is, get on the small shows and do it. And then what that opens up is this is one of the most interesting thing anybody has ever shared as a guest of my podcast that just blew me away. I had Elizabeth Pampalone on an episode. Ryan, maybe you can look up what number episode that was and share it in the chat. But Elizabeth in 2020 guessed it on 200 podcasts, right? Like she was this fanatical networker that figured out that, man, if the world's going to shut down, how am I going to go meet more people? Podcasting, right? So she got on, 100, on 200 podcasts and she gave me this really innovative strategy that she used. And it's that she parlays smaller shows that she's been on that have a relation to the next show that she wants to be on to to get in bigger and bigger shows. Here's what I mean. She would look up somebody that was a bigger guest on a smaller show that she had been on, look up the different podcasts that that bigger guest had been on and reach out to those hosts and say, oh, I saw that you had this person on your show. I was on a show that that person was on. Here's what I talk about. And it worked 
it worked for her, right? Like she was able to like parlay up the daisy chain in, in blogs. That's actually a thing that Ryan Holiday wrote about. It's like parlaying the daisy chain when it comes to PR and media. He would pitch a small story for like a small newspaper and then use that small newspaper story to pitch it to a bigger newspaper and then use that bigger newspaper story to pitch it to like a national magazine and so on and so forth. You can do that with podcasts, right? And it doesn't just have to be the guest. You can do it based on the guest. You can do it based on the topic, right? So if if you have been on if the podcast that if you've been on a podcast for physicians, for example, right? Like if JD is going on finance for physicians, then the next podcast that he does for doctors, he can say, oh, hey, you know, like you got a doctor's audience. I've spoken on this other one with a doctor audience too, right? Like, and it can be a really small show, right? Finance for physicians is actually a pretty big show. They get like 600 downloads per episode. And, but even if it's really, really small, right? Like even if it's doctors that care about X and it's maybe the first episode, he can still use that as credibility on the next doctor podcast to get on another one with maybe a bigger audience, right? So like think about the overlaps between the shows you've been on and what the subject is and look for other shows in that subject and use that as a way to get on other shows. Or, you know, who was the biggest guest that you have shared the stage with? And then find out where that guest has been and go, reach out to those podcast guests and those podcasts to get on. It is a great, great strategy. Oh, Roan just shared it in the chat. It's episode 184 if you're listening. So that episode with Elizabeth is one of the best of all time. I highly, highly recommend it if you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching right now, you haven't seen that, go check that one out. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, Go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you haven't already hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool and maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. She's brilliant. Okay. So right now we've talked about finding shows based on people that you actually know, right? Like actual, sorry about Tila's in the background there, actual people that you have a connection with. Now we're going to move into, maybe you've gotten a couple that way. Let's try to pitch to people that you don't know, right? So the first thing is there's a bunch of platforms that do that stuff, right? Like they are there to combine guests with hosts and so on and so forth. The two platforms that I recommend, one is Podio, started by this guy called Travis Chapel, And the other one is Podmatch, started by a guy called Alex Sanfilippo. I've never used Podio. I've used Podmatch a little bit. I know people that have used Podmatch. And Alex Sanfilippo is a past guest of the show. Awesome, awesome guy has really built out a community there. So I just really, really believe in that one. And, but both are great. You can use both because at the end of the day, on those podcasting platforms is a bunch of like first time hosts that are just getting started that are outsourcing their ability to find guests, right? Like, not every, for me personally, since I'm a networker, there's very small chance that you're going to pitch somebody that I'm going to have on because I'm already like, 
freaking six weeks late or 12 weeks out on people that I've already promised coming on the show because I meet people and I fall in love with them and whatnot, right? But there's a lot of hosts that are podcasting that are looking for guests in a specific topic, right? So you can use these platforms to reach out to them. And again, it doesn't matter how small the show is, you can use that to daisy up the chain, right? Like you can use that to get practice. You can use that to get on other shows if you can share a stage with people, right? And they're also a good use of your time, right? So these platforms... Podmatch and Podio are two that you can look into that can help you do that. And then, of course, just like all things data, there are lists that you can find, right? So there are a couple of sites that you can, again, use to download a list and go cold outreach people via email. Two of those are podcastwise.com and listennotes.com. Those are really, really good to do some research. There's a partially paid feature, but if you just kind of like pay it one time, go do the research, download the list. Now you have all these people to go reach out to, right? Like go try and, I hate to use the word target, right? But like add them to your list of people that you're going to reach out to. And now you have a, a, you know, plenty of people to reach out to. You can keep doing this thing and build that, right? So, and then there's also the agents, right? Sometimes you're going to want it done for you. And from my experience, that service costs somewhere between, um, 250 to 500 bucks an episode that they land for you. And it goes all the way up to like 5,000 bucks a month to get you on 12 shows. Agents are great. They provide a service, right? So they are basically taking the work out of the equation. What I find in the different price points for agents is not necessarily tied to the show quality that they can get you on. It's more tied to the service that they provide. And I say that because for our clients and for myself, we have experimented with different price points across the board. Some have been phenomenal service, just an amazing onboarding experience. And just every person that I talk to is phenomenal and they're super great at responding and all that stuff. The shows that they got us on are not very different from the typical type of show that we could have gotten on with our own resume and our own thing, right? Like it's really, really hard to quantify that part of the audience piece. So I'm sure that there are certain people that what they have is a really, really good close connection to some high level um, production shows, right? For example, companies that produce podcasts, if they also do guesting service and you know that they produce someone's specific show, maybe that is a good tie-in to get you on a show. But like, if your resume doesn't command it, you're not going to get on, right? So when you're spending money there, just understand that what they're doing is providing you a great service. And it's not guaranteed that you're going to get on really big shows unless your resume commands it. And if that's what you're paying for, you know, then go for it, right? That's my experience there. And then Really what they're going to end up doing is creating this like permission slip for a guest to have you on, right? And I call it a permission slip because instead of calling it a one pager or whatever, this is what you want to be thinking, right? When you are reaching out or someone is reaching out for you, you want to make it as easy and as attractive as possible for that guest to have you on. So of course, the one pager that describes accomplishments and whatnot, most one pagers are C, I see are very guest focused. When we produce these one pagers, again, we focus on the POV, right? This idea of let's evangelize a mission because this mission and this world is messed up for this reason. And here's an idea for how to fix it. And this is what it can look like. And therefore, this person is a good idea because they have this list of experiences, right? We 
flip that on its head. So everything that you're doing when you're reaching out with this permission slip, whatever you're putting together, we do it POV focused. What we like to do is create the POV, shoot an episode about the POV, right? So have this conversation where get, you know, if you don't have your own podcast, you can just have someone come on and just have a conversation with them where they're asking you, all right, so what's the world like right now? Oh, okay. Well, what's the problem with that? Cool. You're talking through it. What are the ramifications? Talk through the ramifications. Talk about like the big idea of, of how you can solve this. And if we solve it, what it can look like. And then just kind of go back and forth talking about, okay, so if we can solve it with that, what's needed? Boom, 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 boom. Your best piece of advice on what's needed. Some of that is your own product. Other things is what's the ecosystem around it, right? Like what are the things that need to happen? And what can the future world really, really look like? I'll give you an example. For Finance for Physicians, who we keep talking about, Daniel Wren, we are aiming to get him on other doctor-related podcasts, right? So instead of pitching him as a financial advisor for physicians, what we have figured out is we've gotten really crystal clear on his POV. His POV is that right now, the healthcare system does not have the best interest in mind of doctors. It is a system that does not allow them to do what's best for the patient. they What they force them to do is a, jump through a whole bunch of hoops because insurance agents, insurance is driving the bus or healthcare systems that are trying to squeeze the juice out of them, right? Like insurance is telling them what procedures they can do. The healthcare executive is telling them they can only spend a certain amount of time with patients. So they're not being incentivized to keep people healthy. Instead, they're just being incentivized to treat people and treat them over and over again. And that, you know, that leads to this world where we're all getting sick. Doctors are burning out. They hate their job. So they spend their time looking for side hustles and looking for ways to retire early. But doctors don't want to retire early. What they want to do is help people, right? And what Daniel sees as the solution, the big idea is entrepreneurship for physicians. And specifically, when doctors go to this direct care model, right? This model where the patient is paying the doctor directly, it can be done a bunch of different ways, but what that does is cut out the system. And what that does is incentivize the doctor to do what's best for the patient, right? So, and once we had that conversation, we then talked about, okay, so what do we need to get there? Well, you know, number one, they need to see that it's not weird. If they can like see other doctors that have done it, because the moment that they say that they're going to do this model, everyone around them is going to freak out because they've been trained to just do this this one way, right? What else do they need? Well, you know, their big fear is that once they make this leap, where's the next dollar going to come from? They're used to being employees. They're not used to being entrepreneurs. So they need to like understand the financial risk and then they need a way to get there, right? And then that's where Daniel's expertise really comes comes in, but it's all packaged around this idea that there's this like better way for doctors to love their career, right? So we had that episode, we recorded it. Now we can make a one page based around that POV. And with that one pager, we are creating an email that's reaching out to somebody based on that. We're going to talk about that email format where we have an episode that we're tying into. Hey man, if you want to listen to this thing long form, this is what I believe on this thing. It has the val- that validation of like, this isn't, you know, like they really believe this. They're, they've put their name out on this already. Create a sizzle reel that like summarizes that thing. So like somebody can just watch the two minute version of it or not. And then in that one pager, what it talks about is all these different things that he can talk about that's supported by an example of him already talking about it, right? So that's the permission slip that we like to design. It's a full package of the one pager with a picture, the problem, right? Like that POV statement, what we you know, how they've developed it. 
the amount of downloads that he has on his podcast, which if you don't have a podcast, you can just talk about your email list or your reach online, right? Like this ability of like who else you're going to share that person's podcast with is a big part of it. And then, you know, a couple sample questions that they can ask you, right? So just like really, really reducing the friction out of what I'm, why would I have them on? Oh, because there's a problem in the world. What am I going to ask him about? Oh, these different things. I've already seen him talk about it. I can dig in a little further here, or I can just have a similar conversation, right? Reduce friction when you're reaching out to them. That's the best thing that you can do to make it really, really easy. And you want to have that package ready when you're reaching out to people that you don't know yet. With Daniel specifically, having your own podcast strategy really helps because what we did is interviewed a bunch of physicians that have podcasts on his show last quarter. And now with this like permission slip that we have, the first people we're starting with is like, oh, hey, listen, we you were on our show last quarter. We think that there is this problem in the ecosystem. Do you agree? We created this one pager in this episode about it. Let me know if you want to chat, right? So that really makes it very, very easy to for people to get on, all right? So now when you are pitching yourself and you're writing an email on this I get a lot of these like I said I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to share kind of like what it normally looks like when I see this stuff so that you get a sense for what not to do but it's it's very eye centric right oh man I I just erased it I don't want to put this person on blast I had it kind of like figured out but it's very much like I heard that you have this podcast you know whether it's them reaching out themselves I'd love to be on because I'm this person and this and that like everything that we do that we preach here, start with the word you when you're reaching out. Talk about in the perspective of what's good for the podcaster themselves and what's good for their audience. So this is a template that I'm going to share with everybody at the end of this that has a couple of things, right? It has you writing out where to put your mission and your hook points and alternate hook points, but it also has a sample script. And I'm going to you know, read it through here, right? So subject line, love the show with past guests. That's something that a lot of people use, right? That just shows that you listen to the show. If I know that I'm getting a, an email from a fan, I'm prone to open it, right? So like start with you, your episode with guest name about main topic, right? What it was, was brilliant, right? We get this a lot too, right? Like, hey, heard your podcast about XYZ, but then it's not followed up with a specific insight, right? So let them know that you actually listened will actually get them to continue reading the email, right? You phrase this thing of guest name about this topic, the part where you discuss this one thing and you give this specific insight and you talk about it. I've never seen it from that perspective. Thanks. Then notice what I do here. Feel free to use that paragraph as a testimonial for your show or your guest. You're adding value there to the equation. If you're reaching out with this intent of like, I've you know, giving you value. Here's a testimonial for you. People are likely to buy in on you. Another thing that you can do is, well, we'll talk about that later. Then speaking of unique perspectives, do you think your listeners would care about boom, mission, POV, right? Like at that point, that's like, do you think that they care about this problem? Again, you're still speaking in ways of them. And here's the first I. I Hook point, accomplished X, Y, Z that proves that you know what to do about this thing and would love to share everything I learned doing it with your audience. You can hear, see, watch me here, talk about it here, right? Look, so this is clicking in with either a past podcast episode you've been on or a blog post you've written about it or your own podcast thing that you did or hyperlink it to a keynote and you can check or you can check me out here and then that's where you send them your media kit. You attach that. It would be an honor to add value to your audience. Are you interested in a chat? P.S. 
I've already subscribed to your show and left a five-star review. Is there anything I can do to help? Right? A little bit more value is a really, really good way of reaching out to people in a way that isn't asking for, right? Like there's one ask in there and like three offers. So you are much more likely to gain someone's favor that way that don't know you by doing that. And that's, you know, better, better chance of landing on a show better than anything that I normally get for the record. So I'm going to share that later and you can steal that template for reaching out yourself. And then notice one of the things, the thing that's most likely to get your email opened, right? This ask that you have is the headline. Some of the big problems that people have with headlines is that they're generally like, I'll get a headline that's like this person's name or this title at this company wants to be on your show. That doesn't tell me anything, right? Giving me a headline that's about you doesn't really make me want to open it. I generally skip that. I get a bajillion emails a day, right? So a headline that is, again, about the POV, right? About like, hey, do you think there's a problem with doctors burning out? right? If they believe that they're more likely to open it, right? Like, or a reason doctors are burning out that nobody talks about, or like a way out of burnout for doctors, but like, that's going to get that person that really, really cares to open it. The other one is that whole, like, I'm a fan of your show one, right? Like your episode on blah, blah, blah was great. That'll generally get an, an open. If you're going to use that, have listened to the episode, right? Like it's really, really easy for the podcaster to understand that you just went and looked up like a title and a guest, and send it to them. And at that point, I think you're lying to me, right? So like, if you're going to use a specific episode, make sure that you have that, that headline in there. Past podcasting guest, booking agent, Spencer Carpenter that was on the show prior. He says that using an emoji in the, in the headline increases his open rates as well. So I've, I've never really done that, but like, if you can use an emoji in there, but at the end of the day, what you really, really want to lead with is a hook point, right? Like that uh, something that's a lesson, something that's a problem, something that can really, really speak to that audience or something really genuine observation that you've done, that'll get it open. And then you want to think about multiple of these hook points, right? Like these things where you're, you're really thinking about what you can teach, And based on what experience you have, think about multiples of those because you can craft two to three different emails that hit at different angles based on the problem that you're trying to solve and the thing that you can teach. So doing up to three of these, I think is kosher, right? Like you can make three of these on outreach. If you don't hear back from a podcaster in in three emails, stop bothering them. They're probably just not going to take your thing or find a different angle to get in there, right? Like go connect with them on social and start like doing it that way because they've tuned out your emails, right? But like, you really want to think of these, like, what's your main hook point, right? Like my main hook point is the idea that I created a $40 million community. You're one through a podcast that gets me in a lot of doors of community, of podcasting circles, of marketing marketing, stuff like that. But then underneath that hook point, I have the idea like quickest way to build a community, how to build a community that is actually profitable day one, stuff like that, right? Like different hook points of things that I learned from the experiences that we've had at Be The Stage, how to mitigate marketing risk, those kinds of things. Those are all the hook points that we use for ourselves. Again, you have a main one and then you got a couple under that, right? So now you have done the reach out. Now it's time to nail it, right? Like you're getting on these shows this helps, right? Like think about it long game. The better you do on these shows, podcasters know each other, right? Like content creators are friends with other content creators. The better you do, the better chance that one podcast is going to turn to more than one podcast. So one of the biggest things that you got to understand is that when people are listening to podcasts, they're often multitasking, right? So very rarely do you get the full undivided attention of someone for a whole episode. Generally what they're doing, they're doing something else. And 
there's like these punches of three to six minutes where they're really dialed in and then they dial out a little bit else and then they get back in, right? So like you want to have this shot clock in your head of your speaking points. If you've been speaking nonstop for 12, 15 minutes without the host interjecting, you've likely already lost the listener, right? It's really, really hard to keep someone's attention for that long without rambling. So keep a shot clock in your head, three to six minutes before you take a little pause, allow the host to get back in, right? Like these people that are following this podcast love the host, right? They generally have a relationship with the host already. So the more that you let the host speak, the better that you're going to allow them to like build affection to you because it's that host's validation. That's the first thing that's going to get you in the door with them, right? So keep that in your head. This like three to six minute timer that if you're speaking for too long, look for a way to stop, right? And then when you're speaking, we talked about this last week in the evangelizing, right? It is to prove a point, you want to frame it in a way that's easy to understand. The what, so what, now what structure is how I like to think of these things, right? Like you introduce this idea of you want to get on podcasts, but you want people to listen to you and they listen in three to six minutes segments. So you need to, that's the what, so what you need to come up with a framework that allows you to contextualize speaking points into like a full lesson. I call it the what, so what, now what? It's the way that I'm doing this thing right now. And if you can, you know, name the thing that you're going to talk about, explain how it works. And then now what prompts somebody to like develop it on their own or what their next step is going to be, then you are wrapping it into this like nice bow, right? So this like what you're talking about, like what you're solving for. So what is how you do it or how you learn to do it. And then now what is how someone can go do it for themselves or any other way that they can look at it. That's the way that you wrap your ideas into a three to six minute speaking point. I go a lot into this in last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that, go check that out. The how to, how to become an evangelist. We go deep into the what, so what, now what, and all the other ways that you create speaking points. But that's a really, really good way to just limit yourself to not ramble for too long, right? Like figure out if you've already described what you're doing, figure out what the next thing is that somebody needs to do and then kick it over to the host. And then finally, a couple of finishing moves. Two things that podcasts that podcasters love when you do, and I know this from experience because people do it with me and I do it with other people, is kicking it back to the podcaster, right? If you can think of like one great question to ask the host, you know, and intersect that somewhere in there, right? Like you're going to be talking for the majority of the time. But if you can find one really good moment to be like, you know, when they're talking to you, just be like, yeah, well, what do you think, man? How have you done this? And allow them to interject their own experiences. You're going to gain a lot of favor with the host. You're going to gain a lot of favor with the audience as well. Because like I said, the audience already buys into that host. Another thing that gets you a lot of, a lot of favor. I got this from Donnie Boyvin. At the end of every podcast he's on, when he's like, all right, when the podcaster allows you to promote yourself, you're like, listen, before I promote myself, I got to say, you know, this person puts a ton of work into this podcast. It's awesome. Look how great of a host she is. If you don't, if you haven't already rated this podcast, shared it with somebody else, or, you know, like told a friend about it, I mean, you really got to do that first before you come check me out. I'm sure you've listened to other podcasts by this person. Check this person out. Man, the host's eyes light up and they remember you forever, right? So do that. 
<laughs> you're going to get to promote yourself all episode long. But when you're nearing the end and they ask you to promote yourself, first promote them and, and tell their audience to go like leave a rating and review. You have a friend for life in that host, I promise. And then finally, you know, like there's a lot of times that you go on people's podcasts, they don't really share it, right? So like the idea that when you got onboarded, when you got offered the podcast, share it on social media, share it on your email list. Oh, I'm about to go on this person's podcast. I'm super excited to tag them, right? Like after you're done, when it's published, share that on social media as well. I just went on. It was a great conversation. Can't wait till it comes out. When it comes out, share it again, right? Like people notice that stuff and you'd be surprised how many people don't actually do it. Small thing to do. It benefits you, benefits them. And it really, really helps. And then if they give you any kind of like social media stuff, post it, right? It is some really hard work and love that hosts put into this stuff. If you are not sharing that stuff, it's, you know, it's normal to overthink when am I going to share this? What am I going to say? I would say don't overthink it and share it because the chance that you don't share it, that host remembers, right? And at the end of the day, it's a relationship game, right? Like you want to be able to come back on, you want to leave with a good experience. If they go far enough to do that, like don't overthink the caption or whatever. Don't overthink your publishing schedule, just share, right? Like your audience, it's not so much about your audience. It's about like doing right by that host for allowing them to put you on the stage and they remember, they introduce you to other people. It's in your own best benefit. And then in that same vein of your own best benefit, if you have been on a podcast, leave a review, right? Like the podcast algorithm is in some way influenced by the amount of reviews and, and all that stuff. So if you are leaving a review for the host, A, again, they're going to see you as an ally. They're going to see you as someone that, man, this person really went the extra mile. B, the more reviews the podcast has, the more legit the podcast looks and you've been on the podcast. So it's good for you, right? So just be thinking about how you can add value back because this stuff really, really compounds for you and really starts to build your own personal brand within the creator circle, which again, is a very, very powerful brand to have and a really, really powerful network to have. And then finally, <laughs> I can't tell you, I've been on a ton of podcasts. The majority have come because I have a podcast. <laughs> so this idea of you know the power of being the stage over trying to like be on the stage all the time is really real, right? Like for me, the first time I realized it was I went on this like speaking, the CEO of my company had been invited to speak in front of the Economic Development Agency of Miami. He decided not to go. I showed up. I shared the stage with the head of Latin America for Cisco Systems and the head of the Smart Cities Initiative for the World Bank. And when I came off the stage, I realized that there was a line, six people deep waiting to talk to me. And I realized the power of the stage. And at that moment, my head did not go to like, oh, how can I go promote myself and have this like speaking career? My moment immediately went to like, oh, how can I gather a small audience and find two people that I want to connect to each other on a stage and be able to give them this experience, right? Like giving people that value is such a big door opener. And particularly for like the biggest podcasts I've been on, they've all started with them coming on my show first and being able to build that relationship and then continuing to add value. And then I get the invite on the podcast, right? A lot because I've either promoted it a lot or they've seen my career grow since they've known me and they realize that I'm legit. So then they invite me on. But being the stage is the ultimate move, right? Like this idea that anybody that you reach out to, you can offer them a warm and you can make marketing materials for them offer them a warm introduction to the people that you already read that you already know and then share this like experience together it builds some 
real, real connections. And that is how you're going to meet the heaviest hitters, right? Or at least that's the easiest way to meet the heaviest hitters. So in that vein, if you don't have a podcast or you do have a podcast and you want to emulate the way that we are the stage, last call, right? Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp starts next week. This is our fourth iteration. It's going to be our best one yet because the third one was our best one yet. And it keeps getting better. It is six weeks of live training and coaching with me and Gina and the Be The Stage team that you get nine hours of live strategy, right? Like a class, you get nine hours of implementation sessions. So by the time that the six weeks are over, you're already up and going. You get the quick start guide and the access to recordings immediately so that you can start implementing ahead of time, right? Like if you see it ahead of time, then you show up to the class much more prepared, I think this is probably the biggest value is our SOPs and our guides and templates, right? Like the idea that you're going to learn all the stuff, but then you have all the templates and all like the standard operating procedures so that the moment that you know how to do it, you can outsource this to someone and you can build a team around it. You know, if you ask me, I've I've paid way more than 9,000 bucks to be able to develop that stuff. So I love being able to give that as just kind of like a bonus there. But we also do technical trainings on Descript and on Airtable, two softwares that you're going to want to learn that you get to learn that you get to that you get to really understand ahead of the curve. You get access to our community, ongoing on Facebook, other people implementing the show. It's awesome. And then you also get these graphic templates that are for your banners, for your social media content, for all the stuff that you can plop into. We start next week. Go to be the stage.live slash bootcamp if you want to sign up. And I want to see you there because at the end of the day, we really, really believe in this idea that you gotta evangelize your message, right? If you're out there. Um, in an industry and you're not differentiating yourself, it's a quick race to commoditization. Companies that are not building a community and are not evangelizing their messages are just going to become commoditized, right? Like the internet giants are going to basically commoditize demand, they commoditize supply. And if you don't have this unique thing that you stand for and the thing that you're known for, it's going to get harder and harder to get clients. It's going to get harder and harder to make that change that you want to be. So whether it's guesting on other podcasts, like we've just shown you here today, or starting your own podcast, figure out a platform that you can really, really build for yourself. And that is how you're going to win in the future. Have you heard that last little pitch there for the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp? Um, it's too late now. <laughs> we're already off and running with the seasons, but we're definitely looking for people for next season. Probably around June, we'll kick it off. We'll kick off another cohort. Should be great. Um, but listen, we what's getting really cool now is these relationship-driven growth open mic strategy sessions that are happening after the show, um, because we're starting to get a very vibrant community there of experts. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep publishing those. So. Um, you'll see those on the weekends, even though this is released on a Monday, the interviews released on a Monday, you'll see the, um, the discussions on the weekend. I have a feeling that we're going to keep publishing them because they're doing really well uh, in downloads and also because we're having awesome, awesome discussions. So I encourage you to make a little bit of time uh, one of these weeks. Just go sign up, put it on your schedule, make a little time one of these, one of these Mondays at 430 Eastern and join us for, we got some great interviews coming up. Um, with really amazing guests talking about event-led growth, evangelist-led growth, um, new kind of like shortcut tricks of how to use AI like ChatGBT and 
um, these different things that you can do images on and all that stuff. I think it's going to be really great. And the conversations that ensue after are really where it's at. Just um, really, really cool experts coming in and giving great takes. And I'm giving a bunch of content to people for their own personal branding. So go ahead and uh, make use of that. And of course, got to thank my team as always. Number one, I always thank Roanne because she just keeps me doing all the things I need to be doing as the account manager on this project. Gina, who's built this amazing world-class culture and brought us an amazing team and recruited amazing talent like her right-hand Marge, who makes everything happen. Um, JP, our employee number one, who does all the all the cool stuff, right? He's making all the videos, he's making all the all the audio stuff, everything that you see and touch is touched by the creative uh, director of our company, JP, employee number one, who is training another awesome creative, Philippe, to um, you know follow in his footsteps and do great things for us, like the client activations that we do for our clients, and repurposing that type of content. All helped by Rita, our content strategist, who basically takes the things that we promise and make sure that you get the results that we say um, based on the content that we are creating, right? Like making sure it's all congruent, the story is right, that you're getting the results that you need. Our two awesome account managers, uh, Joanna and Joyce, and our amazing superstar writer, Nicola, who's been my buddy now for, I don't know, like four or five years. He's turning into a man. When I first started mentoring when he was 13, he interviewed me on a podcast, and now he's becoming a world-class writer. So I want to thank the whole team, and I want to encourage you to always, always consider the impact of relationships being more valuable than transactions. See you next week.